What's up, everyone? Feeling pretty happy these days. One of the reasons why is this podcast, which has been pretty well received and just happy to speak with really nice people. You know, for many, many years, I spoke to people just offline, really just on the phone, and I still do that quite a bit. Um, But I felt like the podcast was a natural way to take those really awesome conversations that I was having with a lot of people and bring those, you know, from underground to the surface. And so you guys can meet some amazing people and learn about their stories in this long format where you really get to dive deep into who uh, different people are and what they've gone through their, gone through in their lives and how they've grown from it. And I just had a great time speaking with Abigail Duncan, who is so mature, uh, so honest, uh, so good. And um, it was just a pleasure speaking with her. And we were chopping it up about both of us going to James Madison University and both of us being former track team members there. And just uh, enjoy talking to her about life and what it's like for her being young and getting out into the world and trying to establish herself. So... I look forward to you guys listening to this episode, and I'm happy to introduce to you Abigail Duncan. Hello, Miss Abigail. Oh, hello, Darian. How are you? I'm doing really well, and yourself? I'm doing well. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, too. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I wanted to tell you that I had a really good time speaking with you on the phone the other day and I felt like there was a lot of synergy there and I was excited to invite you to come on. Yes. Uh, Likewise. I really enjoyed our, our conversation. And I think that it's, it's crazy that we have that um, connection to, to James Madison university. Speaking of JMU, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, it's funny. I I have not been back there in a really long time. I don't know if I told you that before. Yes, Yes, you did. Um, Right. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know. I just never, I, I know a lot of people and I have really good friends there and it's just, it's just so far away from me. Yes. Yeah. Definitely would be a, a, a big hike for you to go over to Virginia. Yeah, so, to the mountains again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always had a lot of, I used to uh, live in Springfield, Virginia, and it was, that's where I went to high school at uh, Robert E. Lee. High school. Is where you went to high school? Uh, Yeah, I did. I know where that is. Really? Well, I've heard it because a lot of my teammates and a lot of people that I that I knew of my teammates had mentioned that school when I was at JMU. So that name came up a lot. Oh man, so funny! I uh, I went Robert E. Lee. Yep, it was the Lancers, (laughs) and uh, I probably haven't said that name in twenty years at least. Um, So bringing it back for me. But I used to drive like two hours from Robert E. Lee to James Madison, um, you know, and I lived in Springfield. So it was very close to where I was. My parents were living when I went to college at JMU. So it was a it was a really cool time. And then I used to go back and forth. My brother went to Robert E. Lee also. So I would uh, leave in the evening and go see him play high school football at, at Robert E. Lee. All oh, the time. wow do that drive on three and take it all the way up, you know, and it was crazy. Yeah. See, it was nice too for me because I'm from, um, around Frederick, Maryland, Hagerstown, Maryland. And so for me, it was a straight shot on 81 North going home. And so, yes, uh, two hours for me was like that, that happy medium where it was far enough away that mom and dad couldn't visit all the time. But at the same time, it was close enough that I could go home for, let's say, you know, a weekend or surprise mom, you know, there was one time I came home and I, um, it was during dinner hours. My mom always cooked dinner and I walked in and she had no idea I was coming and she, she got, her breath was taken away. (laughs) And so it's moments like that, that, that were so special to me because I was able to go home. Um, and they were able to come to see my track meets too. So, so, you know, at JMU, at Virginia Tech, at the schools around, there weren't really um, tons of meets that, that were uh, super far away. So they were able to come to a lot, which meant a lot to me because being in high school from a small town um, and having that support system, it's different in college when 
you know, you're only running maybe one or two events instead of six or eight, Mm -hmm. like I did in high school. So it was less time to see me, but it was so important to me because I was working so hard in college to get where I was. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Totally understand that. And for everybody who will be listening, um, so Abigail and I both ran for the James Madison University track and field team. And uh, myself, many years before her, I'm considerably older <laughs> back in the day for that, when there was a men's track and field team. And uh, there's that is no longer the case at James Madison anymore. But I have um, a lot of memories. And I actually remember when I wasn't a runner there anymore. I just graduated. or No, I hadn't graduated. I, was in my, I did a fifth year. And that was the year I was coaching. Uh, I was an assistant coach for the team. And then we had gotten word that, they were going to get rid of the men's track and field team. And you want to talk about a bomb exploding inside of Godwin Hall. It was very mm-hmm. emotional, very emotional. And I just remember all the guys who I was teammates with, and now I was their coach, it was, there were a lot of tears and a lot of anger walking around. I, I don't know. I just remember that very vividly when that happened. Yeah. And when you're so passionate about something and it's almost – taken away from you especially those freshmen who got that that word and are are realizing that they may have to change their future or change their path I remember um during my time at JMU uh one of the schools I think it was UNC Wilmington they were Mm -hmm. in that same process with the girls team and I oh really yes and I remember um I was always super friendly so before events I would you know talk to the other girls um Mm -hmm ask them a bunch of questions just because that's, that's who I was. That's who I am. And so the girls said, you know, we're, we're super upset. We're trying to fundraise. We don't, you know, it's lack of funding. And so I remember speaking to them about it and it was just, I remember thinking in my head, I couldn't imagine because I think my fear in college, I I never wanted to transfer, but I knew if it, if it costed my happiness and if, if I wasn't happy at a school or if I wasn't thriving and making friends and, and building knowledge, then I would have to. And thank God that I chose a school like JMU where that wasn't even a question. Yeah. No, it's it's very difficult. I mean, I'm sure like those ladies on the track team there, you know, you worry about, you know, something you're so passionate about at that time in your life and, you know, um, you know, have scholarships that may or may not or whatever it may be. But, you know, I know a lot of the guys, uh, all of us were on scholarship and I know a lot of the guys were worried about that because, they really didn't have other means to afford school. Right. So it was, I think that really hit hard. You know, a lot of our guys, sprinters, were from uh, very difficult backgrounds. And so, you know, this was their chance to be in college. And uh, I really felt for them. A lot of hugs and crying. And I just, that was like one of my last memories at JMU for some weird reason. Wow. Um, but I, but I, you know, things survive. People survive to move on. Time waits for nobody. And uh, but it was definitely a thing. But I have tremendously more happy memories of JMU. So I wanted to ask you, going to that school, and um, what did what did you feel you got out of going to JMU? What was you know the wonderful thing about it for you? So a couple things. I think the first big thing when I think of JMU, and this might sound a very cliche, but to me it, it means a lot. It's family. It's the connections that I made with not only my teammates, which were my family my coach or my boss, um, I would say, or my, mm-hmm. my classmates. I was a kinesiology major um, at JMU. And so everyone in my class, I mean, there were tons of group projects, tons of things that we did together. And I think I learn best when I'm around others that bounce off ideas and, and, um, and sort of uh, talk through certain pathways or certain ways of thinking. And so I think being around the people at JMU were, it's, it's, it's almost this uh, like-minded, un, unspoken language that JMU people have. And I don't know how the administration does it, or the admissions, I'm sorry, the administration, admissions does it, but they, they find these people that just care so much about you. Um, I know we talked last time about even the professors that I had were invested in me. So I think that's the first thing was just the connections and the family that I made. Um, in addition to that, I would say a big thing for me that, that, that I, I always think about is energy. When I'm around, it's, 
I mean, energy, it cannot be created or destroyed. And so energy is something that is always there. It could be positive. It could be negative. It could be exciting. It could be um, depressing. And so I always felt like there was such a good energy at that school when people would come on campus, new recruits, or I saw families walking around. People were saying, hi, where are you from? Uh, what brought you to JMU? And so there was just this environment where the energy was so high and positive all the time. Um, my third thing that I remember is the student involvement. I think that's definitely something that you have to take upon yourself to do, uh, meaning uh, going to football games, being in FCA, which I was a part of, which mm-hmm. FCA stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, being a part of the student-led government, um, being a part of uh, Duke's ball program, which is voting a lifelong leader. So, so these programs that I was able to be in because of being an athlete and because of being a leader and having the means to do that and to, and to have those things be exposed, you know, as a student and as an athlete was something that was also super important to me. So um, the ability to, to learn and be involved in athletics and to see what we represent as, you know, as JMU and as a family. Yeah, certainly. I mean, those are, those are wonderful things. I would say I definitely have to echo a lot of that. I mean, I, I remember there's just a special quality about being on campus and all the different buildings. I know there are a lot more buildings now than when I was there. It was a, like a 10, 11,000 student school. So it was pretty small and it's in the twenties now, right around there. So approximately 23. So that's, you know, becoming a, a large university. And I remember, um, just how amazing the people were, the students, just lots of wonderful students who are just very well behaved for that time in life. And uh, I, even when I was going back a little more regularly um, during my early 30s, I remember like, man, what a wonderful place. And, and I felt the professors, I was in Kenise like you, but I had a lot of um, people I knew in other departments and they, found, they felt similar about their professors. And uh, they must have one hell of a recruiting department. <laughs> they get people. Seriously. They, get, they hire the most passionate, com- wonderful, caring, loving professors there. And I, I had the honor to write for uh, the magazine Professors I, You Love. And they put that out there every once in a while. And uh, Dr. McMillan. And I really was just, uh, when they asked me about it, I was more than happy to do it because of the feeling that I received there. So um, I know we're gushing about the school we went to. Everybody's like, I had a great school. It's a good school. It's not the best school. I'm like, everybody has, I'm sure, very good memories uh, about places they went, hopefully, you know. Yes, of course. Jamie was very impactful. So I want to talk about a little bit. I've had a few former student athletes on the show because I think it's, it is uh, an environment that you're kind of your general student or a person who's been out of school and stuff. They, they didn't really, they weren't really familiar with what happened in that type of, that lifestyle. You're living a very different lifestyle than most other college students. And you know, for that, take me inside how that was for you. Yeah. So I think most times when you're an athlete, I think that it's almost ingrained in you as a, as a kid. If you were, if you were lucky enough to be able to, uh, being sports at a young age, I started soccer when I was three. And so it kind of spinned from there and went into volleyball and basketball. And then I started track in, in high school. But I think it was since it, it was ingrained in me, it was almost like second nature. So when I got to college, um, I, I definitely think that the first year was um, it, it was change. It was very different, I think, mm-hmm. going from high school to college. Um, I was honing in on one sport. That was almost a fear of mine, being mm-hmm. being um, a three-season athlete, being soccer, basketball, and then track. I was never, I was never in the same um, sport for the entire year. So I think that was something that, that I, was, I was fearful for. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as being a JMU, I think that it definitely – is a skill of time management is the biggest thing for sure (laughs) it it really is I mean I think there were times where it's very very rewarding and then times where it's discouraging I think one of the 
biggest dis- discouraging moments was the amount of time that my colleagues got to study and I didn't. It, it almost hurt me in a way because I wasn't able to put in the same effort in a way because track consumed a lot of, a lot of me. Weekends yeah. were spent on, in meets. Yep. Um, <laughs> Uh, there were times I remember vividly where my my teammates would stay up super – or not my teammates, I'm sorry. My colleagues would stay up super late, and I wouldn't be able to stay up super late because I had a really hard workout the next day. And I knew if I stayed up late and I didn't eat right or I didn't eat at a certain time, that my hard workout would be affected that next day, which would then in turn affect the meet if I was running in certain events. So it was almost a snowball effect. So because of that, it taught me that there were consequences and there's a process with, with everything that you do. And so I think the biggest thing would be time management. Um, there were times where, oh, my goodness, it was so much fun. And I had that built-in family from my team, but not only with the track team, you then get uh, – you mix in the football team. You mix in the basketball teams. You mix in all the, all the other athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you have this, this huge camaraderie with one another and this, this overwhelming understanding. Um, I'm not sure if you – have seen the APC it's the um it's connected to the football stadium yeah but it's but but it but it's an area for only student athletes to study and it's amazing I mean we go in there we have athletic tutors we have the resources and I was so thankful for that because a lot of my colleagues who didn't have that had to pay for tutors we had free tutors um I think about scholarship athletes we didn't have to pay for books we didn't have to pay for, you know, additional things. It was, it was given to us. Yes, we worked for it athletically, but those were big things that, that were there to help us succeed. Um, let's see what else. I would say one more thing to add would be, um, you know, it's fun being, being a student athlete, getting to wear the apparel, you know, yeah. um, which, it, which big, big stigma, I think, is when, is when athletes go to class and, and they wear their apparel to <laughs> class and people think that they're just trying to boast and brag about their, you know, their clothing. But in all reality, there were so many times where one, we didn't have the energy to get up and get dressed like a normal human being. Yep. And number two, we had to run to practice right after. So, so I think even, even that just like, like having, you know, uh, the resources that we had and just the fun that we had as a team and, and as a um, whole niche of a, of a group that we had as athletes yeah you know it's I love hearing from former you know student athletes about their time in college and the atmosphere and I plan on having more people and I have a, a really awesome uh, Big Ten strength and conditioning coach who's going to be on the show coming up and working with like huge programs and stuff and just you know going behind the curtain I think is important um, obviously when I was there we did not have the, well, we had the tutor thing, but it was like upstairs in like a computer room or something in Godwin. And uh, I don't I don't ever, I don't ever remember being in there. Honestly, I just walked past it all the time. But I if we you know, it was very crude facilities back then. There was not a lot going on. It was kind of more of like, hey, this is what we got and just kind of deal with it. But yeah. I do remember, um, you know, kind of mingling with a variety of different athletes because we were down on the men's side of the hallway in Godwin Hall. Like it was like the the uh, men's wrestling team was in one locker room and then swimming and then, you know, track. we were all, all at the end of the hallway. And I remember it was just kind of like being at camp or something. It's just all these like athletes everywhere and everybody's just yes. in your own like it's like you're at camp. It's hard to explain it. You're just like in your <laughs> own world and it's like you're sleeping over, you know, it's it's just it was like we yeah. would enter, leave this this bubble of the student environment and, you know, where it was very obvious who were the athlete, athletes because they were wearing their gear. Everybody was. I mean, I felt the same thing. You're just too tired to figure out what outfit yeah. you wanted to wear and stuff. You're like, listen, I'm going to be at practice anyways after this. So what's the difference, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah. just remember that, like, going to D Hall and uh, hanging out with, you know, eating with my teammates or other uh, athletes, I would eat with some football players sometimes. And, and again, it was so funny. I told my wife this other day because she sometimes asks about what it was like. I said, it was fun, kind of funny. Like you go in the D hall and like you knew who the football players were. They were gigantic and stuff. And, 
you know, right. to attract people, you know, you know, kind of know the wrestlers are, they had cauliflower ear and stuff. And, you know, and it was just big, this big, weird bazaar of like people from Star Wars, this huge scene of like, yeah, I was like, it's so strange here. <laughs> you know? it's, it's true. Everyone has almost everyone from different teams has, has a little bit of a different body. Yeah. Body. Yeah. And so if, the, if they weren't wearing JMU cross country or JMU volleyball, I mean, most times if they were if they were in regular clothes, you still know who yeah, they were. Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> tall girls, volleyball, you know, uh, stocky girls, softball. That's just the way it was. Yeah. Uh, track girls, big thighs. Yeah. They're sprinters. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, yeah. But I think one thing that um, is super important to make light of, I think that a lot of people who aren't athletes, not saying at all, but I think some have a misconception that athletes tend to – uh, slack off in the classroom <laughs> or and that and, and that's something that I always took to heart and and really tried to prove wrong um, right uh, because you know for me I really value education and, and I really value my hard work and my degree I, I really took passion in, in, in kinesiology and one of the things that really um was unfortunate for me was that I wasn't able to walk on my graduation because I had to choose mm, between yeah walking in my graduation or running in my last conference meet. Right. So that was, that was very hard for me, but I think that that stigma of athletes don't work hard. They have, you know, they have all the resources that they need, you know, they cheat or whatever it was, you know, I really tried to break that because I feel like there were a lot of athletes that I saw on a day-to-day basis that were, that were really trying. And sometimes it really is a struggle. And sometimes you need that tutor on the bus or you need that extra day to take an exam because you can't take it in class that day. Yeah. So there were exceptions that, uh, that had to be made, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I know my teammates and how smart we were as, as young females on that team. And, and I'm, I'm honestly really proud of us as a team and, um, and how our co- coach held us to that high standard I think that's also super important so overall I mean we were super hard workers in almost every aspect of our life yeah yeah I think there's this kind of jock mentality it's like oh they're there you know and uh they're they're gonna take the easiest classes or they're just gonna you know they're reading other stuff while they're in class and not very engaged and I, I found I mean maybe I saw that a couple of times from some people but mostly I saw very ambitious uh, student athletes who really cared. And especially I would say the Olympic sport athletes were very, very in tune to being in school and in sports and, you know, in, in juggling both of those things and and being very disciplined about it. I never noticed that it was a huge issue, but I think it's a stigma that people place on yeah, athletes and exactly. stuff. I just always had a hard time. Like, I don't know how other people had so much time on their hands. It was like crazy to me. I agree. <laughs> right. I completely, agree. I didn't understand I it. That, oh no, I didn't either. And, and it was funny because when I did get a moment to myself, I would sit down on the couch or, you know, in a study break room or whatever. And I'd be like, I'd be like, sitting there not knowing what was next because I'd be like, okay, I think I have something next, but I don't think I have anything yeah. right now. And it was like, you thought in your head that you had something, then really you didn't. I totally agree. Totally agree. And I have to echo this statement about not having enough time to study. I definitely felt that. I think all of us did. It was, you know, you kind of fit it in wherever you could. And I used to always do mine uh, after practice was over I'd go into the athletic trainer room and while I was icing or whatever I would always study there and uh that I spent in fact I know I did most of my studying for my biomechanics class there <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday <laughs> you know riding on like a recumbent bike you know after practice and I was like this is the only time I have I have to do this and then I have to go and eat and walk up those gigantic stairs leading up to D hall, yes. which yes. I was telling my wife the other day, cause she's seen the campus and you know, we've walked the stairs and I was like, this was like a double whammy. Like you're so tired. And then you're like looking up at it. You're like, why, why? Especially, <laughs> especially our, our lifting room was right underneath. Yeah. The <laughs> so we would have leg day and then they'd, and then we'd have, say someone picked team dinner at D hall. That yeah. Night. 
and I would stand there with both egg or egg with both <laughs> ice packs on my on my legs, and I'd be like, no, no, <laughs> why? To do this. It didn't matter how fit you were. When you got to the top, you're tired. You're just like struggling, yes. and, and yes. it was just funny, like. <laughs> You know, trying to make sure you, I don't know if they still have this thing, but like we would always try to get over there before the train would come through and stuff. And yeah, I was yep. like, oh, I'm surprised nobody got killed when <laughs> doing this stuff, man. It's like, wow. I know. It's just all these memories. But I often had the thought that I'm living a very different life than so many other people. And, and I remember thinking like my roommates were not athletes. And I remember thinking they had all this time and I'd always see them. They'd be like either just watching TV or hanging out or doing, I'm like, what do you do with yourself? Like, I don't get like, there's, there's so much time. Like, what do you do? Like, I, I have no time. Like I'm on a structured schedule constantly, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, and I think that was one thing that I actually lived with um, girls that weren't athletes as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that double, not double life, but I wanted that additional experience because I didn't want to be so immersed in the yeah. culture that I, that, that I missed the other side. So my freshman year, I remember this vividly, my roommates and I, so I lived in um, in one of those suites, so it was um, mm-hmm. my roommate and I, and then it was a bathroom that connected two other roommates, right. and then across the hall, we were super close with the two girls and the, the opposing side, and so one day, I come home, and uh, the girls were, uh, they had put their two beds together to make almost like a queen yeah. bed, they were all, they were laying side by side, watching this Netflix series and they were going through each episode and I walk in, it's like seven o'clock at night after eating and they're like, Oh, come join. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can't do this. But <laughs> I almost, I almost felt like I was missing out on something. And I was like, well, great. I can't hang out with them. I can't do all these things. Like, and I almost felt pulled in so many different directions because I wanted to hang out with them too. Yeah. So like the fear of the fear of missing out that, that always tugged my heartstrings all the time. And, so I finally had to get that under control and it took about my entire freshman year to really do that until sophomore year. I just said, you know what? I can't do it all. Yeah, that's true. How did they feel about you knowing that you were in athletics? They loved it. <laughs> of course they, they did. <laughs> they were so respectful. They, they were, I mean, I had the best roommate. Uh, we still are in, in contact here and there, but, um, I had the best roommate who just completely understood, was never loud at night when I had a really hard workout. My roommates even came to my home meet my freshman year. Um, they just loved that I was an athlete, and, and they loved that I was so, um, like, humble and, you know, didn't talk about it much. I mean, I worked out and, and things like that, but I was never boastful about being, right. you know, an athlete at a big school like that. It just was, like, my way of life and what I knew. It was just who I was. So that's awesome. I, you know, I had a very, we have a lot of similar experiences. I swear here. <laughs> I, I know I'm like, this is eerie. Um, yeah. I, I purposely wanted to live with non-athletes because same feeling. I wanted to kind of experience what it was like to be in college, like a normal college experience on some level. And my um, roommates were always extremely supportive. In fact, they sometimes would come to practice and have signs up like cheering me on and stuff. It was hilarious. And, uh, and wow, I, that's I think they just wanted to be around like an athlete. They were like, wow, we're because I mean, they didn't know me from anything. And then when we got together, they were like, oh, this is cool. Like we live with an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you, I never really talked about it. I didn't like I just went and put my head down and did the workouts, the 6 a.m. pool practices, all this stuff. And, you know, I wasn't had those two. Had those two. OK, good. And um I was never around them for the most part during the day. Like I would just kind of disappear literally for the entire day. And then I would show back up at like seven 30 at night and they'd be like, man, you're never around. Like I was like, I li- I basically have a job. I'm like, so I can't be here during the middle of the day. I mean, like I just don't have any, as soon as I go to my, I had to take all 8 AM classes. I was like, I have, I, I literally am on a, a tight schedule every day. And then, you know, you know, the drill, you're away for weekends on meets and stuff. And it's just like, you're never around. And when I was around, I was like a sloth on when I, when I didn't have anything to do, like on a Sunday, I'd be like, I, I can't do anything today. I have to just, <laughs> I have to just try to figure out what it's like to be normal around here. <laughs> you know, it's yes. like, <laughs> I was thinking the other day about my Sundays now and comparing them to college. Yeah. 
It's like night and day. <laughs> I'm so productive on the weekend. Yeah. And in college, I remember Sundays were like my day to chill. We didn't have any practice yep. ever on Sundays. I would go to church in the morning mm-hmm. with my either my teammates or sometimes I, I would go with um, a really good uh, mentor of mine. Her name is Corey. She's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, but we would go to church in the morning, and then I'd come home, and I would relax all afternoon. I, mm-hmm. I, I might have I'd fit in a movie here and there. Yeah. I mean. But, you know, you did, you know you're just trying to find a semblance of being normal in, in a very abnormal environment, you know. And I think that's what people don't always get about athletics, and especially the the uh, the olympic level athletes or the olympic sports uh where that which don't get a lot of attention as like the football team you know uh, the basketball team where you know they're they're out there in the in the student eye generally speaking i mean they students are coming to schools and they're going to football games they're going to basketball games they see the players out there and stuff like most of the students are not exactly like man i can't wait to go to that track meet yeah <laughs> i can't wait to right. like, you know so you're kind of toiling in obscurity a little bit at your own school uh but you're doing your and but a lot of those things like we did track it was literally like a year-round thing and um, it was not saying the other sports weren't like football and stuff but they definitely had very defined seasons where things weren't going on you know it's like you know, in tractors, you know, there's the cross country portion of it, which was all preseason practice for us, basically. And then indoor season, outdoor season, it's just like never stopped. You know, you're basically doing two sports versus, you know, in the, in the same version of a sport, whereas other places had one thing and then their season was over and it was all off season stuff, you know. Exactly. Which I found exactly. unique, you know. Very. And I think also it was, in a coach's perspective, a little tough because they had to make sure that they weren't overtraining us. Right. I mean, if we were, if we were prepping for indoor, thank God my coach kind of used indoor as more of a conditioning for outdoor season. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have breakout performances in indoor. I never, I actually, um, fun fact in high school, I only ran indoor one season. That was my junior oh, year. Okay. Um, so I never really was a strong indoor runner. It was, you know, I almost felt enclosed in a way. And because of that, I, I physiologically tensed up a lot and didn't run as fast, but you know, it's one of those things. And with the cross country girls, I mean, they're running cross country indoor yeah. and outdoor. So Crazy. same kind of thing. We just, we always laid low on indoor and didn't really have, have too many breakout appearances or anything. And just kind of focused on, on the spring and the cross country girls really focused on, the fall and then the spring as well. So that winter time was kind of a, a time to relax a little bit, but no, it was, it was definitely tough because we were that sport that had all year round. Yeah. Did you guys ever have to come back early for winter break to train every okay. year? All right. Just making sure that didn't change <laughs> every year. And I'm telling you, I despise that. Day when we came back because we knew that week, we were by ourselves on campus. Coach was going to run us into the yep, ground. Yep. We knew it. Yep. Those were ugly because it's very like, you know, Harrisonburg in the wintertime and kind of dreary and, you know, it's it's dead. And it just felt like you were on a planet by yourself and doing these grueling. We had two a days, I remember. I was like, man, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> and we used to train um, at the top of um, in, in the conversation yes. center. Yes. Yep. 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 So that floor, if you remember, it's gotten. I mean, it's still there, but what? it's gotten worse over. <laughs> yes. That same floor is there. Oh, they're finally. Uh, my coach. I just spoke to her actually about a year ago. She said that they're finally implementing. Um, my coach is actually designing the format of either they're gonna either fill in the bottom portion of the basketball because they're building an an entire new arena. I don't know if you saw No, I didn't see it. So they're building an entire new arena for basketball. And so the convocation center is going to become um, a spot for the indoor track. So Uh whether they fill in the bottom and the whole bottom is um, is more rubber surface or they just tear the entire thing down and start from scratch. Um, But they still have that same surface. So imagine, imagine, I mean, I'm sure you did it too, oh, but yeah. that pounding, that pounding of the track, like from your feet. And then in addition, when you're turning on those really sharp turns, 
there were so many times I had hamstring injuries because I was always favoring one hamstring over the other yeah. because of the turns that I was doing, or I wasn't going as fast because I was tensing up, like I said before. And after a while, with the pounding of the track, you would get people that had shin splints mm-hmm. and people that have stress stress fractures. Yeah. So it was it was and so in that regards too, it wasn't fun because we started having injuries. For sure, I man, you, you're taking me back. I just remember we used to always run over there and then go under the tunnel thing there. And uh, I'm envisioning it right now, you know, yes, past UREC and uh, right up to that, those stairs. And and I remember like, man, I hate training inside this place. It's so terrible. (laughs) You know, like it's just the, the surface. I was like, you know, I just couldn't stand the surface and uh, it just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. I, I remember thinking, I was like, man, I don't know. There could be better ways of doing this. I remember thinking that. Yep. I completely agree with you on that. So what do you think about transitioning here a little bit? You know, talked a little bit about, you know, overtraining and, you know, it, it's funny coming from the athletic world and, you know, both being kinesiology uh, majors, how do you view your training as an athlete in relationship to training as a, I'm going to say it this way, a civilian into just general fitness and working with the public. Yeah. So I can go two routes here. I'm going to just do both because I think they're both super important, but I think training from an aspect of with my, with my health and my fitness journey, I think it's definitely something that, a lot of athletes, I feel like, have that have that passion. You have very few that just do it for the money or do it because they think it's an expectation that they have to. Um, so I think that alone, when you get out of college, you have this need to be a part of a team. You have this need to be fit. And so for me, um, after I graduated from JMU, I went straight into going to graduate school at Ling University in Boca Raton, and I played soccer for my fifth year because um, – NCAA rules you can actually if you do a four-year sport and you complete it in four years you have an additional year to do a different sport mm-hmm. that's what I did and so so having that was super important for me for my transition from Virginia to Florida I graduated in May and moved to, to South Florida in August so I had that summer to kind of get my groove on things so that summer was focused on training for soccer then I played soccer, and then that spring was my first season, I guess, out of a college sport. And that's where I finally was like, okay, what am I going to do? So for a while, I got into lifting, and then I started um, working out and working at Orange Theory Fitness. And it became my my sport. Like, that mm-hmm. was my thing. Um, uh, those of listening who aren't familiar with Orange Theory, Orange Theory is a one-hour full-body workout with heart rate based interval training. Um, and so it's, it's very, um, cardio based and their strength training based. So it's, it's a, so it incorporates a lot. And basically it was one of those workouts that I just really felt, um, was there for me. It was, it was something that was an outlet for me. And so transitioning was actually not bad for me at all with, with my, my health and my fitness. As far as the real world, I think because of being so structured and having good time management skills, I think that really, really helped me in the real world with going into a full-time job, understanding that you have a boss, you work for a boss, whereas I worked for, in a way, a coach. Yeah. So having that authority over you, being able to work with others, I think, and even in college, sports builds character. I think I wrote so many papers about character (laughs) in sports and how you know, from a young age, it's super important to, to get your kids involved in their passions and things that they enjoy doing because it builds that. So I think those are all components that really helped me to transition from, from athletic world, JMU, student athlete, Lynn, to being, um, you know, a full-time employee at a, at a corporation. So, um, I started off at Orange Theory Fitness and I loved it because it was, I had that fitness background. I had a passion for it. And so for me, the job wasn't necessarily a job. It was fun. Right. You know, I was able to to talk to people to, to learn things. So, you know, while I was learning, I was, you know, still enjoying what I was doing because I was in the fitness industry. Um, so I think the transition was not hard for me at all. I think 
the transition now is a little bit different. I, um, I recently accepted a job with Apex Systems, and it's definitely more of right now, it's, in, it's, it's kind of more of an office job where I, I'm sitting down a lot. And it's definitely something that I'm not used to. But I think, you know, one other characteristic that you find with athletes is patience. I mean, you don't see results overnight. And so I think patience and understanding and learning that, that there's, there's constant change in learning. And um, so it definitely really has, for me, it's been a very smooth transition um, to speak on a really good friend of mine, a good colleague, um, she's actually had a little bit of a rough time transitioning from, um, from being told what to do in sports <laughs> and then having the freedom to do whatever she wants. And she's struggling because we were told for so long exactly what to do, what muscle to work, how many reps to lift, what, what reps to do on the track. And now that she has this overwhelmingly you know, space in her life of, I don't know what to do. It's, it's kind of scary for her. And so I try to help her out with that and kind of understand and explain to her, you know, my take on it and things that help me. And that's helped her a bit. So I think everyone definitely has different experiences. And I'm, I'm very fortunate enough that I had one that was smooth and, um, and easy to deal with. That's awesome. I think there there can be a couple of different camps of people coming out of that. I know that um, it was funny. Like when I, uh, my coach, if my coach listens to this, he listens to it. <laughs> we'll see what he thinks. He's an awesome guy. But I remember questioning a lot of the training that I had when I was there. And because I was learning about it at the same time. And I was like, huh. I'm learning about, you know, the different energy systems and I'm learning about just how the human body reacts chronically and acutely and stuff. And I remember I would I would just kind of have these things about training, you know, and like I, I enjoyed working out, working out. I love working hard. I wouldn't say I'm a huge like I enjoy, it, but it's not like a, I'm not like I'm not like a gym rat. You know, it's not like my thing com- complete like, oh, man, I love being in the gym, but I enjoy pushing myself to my limits. And, uh, and I remember thinking that was for me is when I stopped, when I finished my, my eligibility for running, I was almost relieved in some way because I was like, now I can program my workouts, how I think they should be based off of my body and not running in a pack or a group anymore. I can really focus on the science behind, uh, what works best for me, individualized prescription for that. So I think that changed a lot for me once I got done as I kept continued the same very strong work ethic towards uh, exercise, but I felt a, a sense of freedom and be, being more creative and understanding what worked best for me because I always felt like when I was a runner and a lot of my teammates are very similar, our legs were just completely beat half the time. It was just like, man, I don't feel the spring. I don't feel any explosion, you know, and, and I think we were we were just we were overtraining quite a bit. That's just my honest assessment after being in the business so long and remembering what I did. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we overtrained. And, and the rest component wasn't a huge element back then, um, whereas I don't know if it is now, but I know if I was was coaching, I would definitely take a different approach to training athletes, um, knowing what we know now about the huge importance of understanding the uh, you know, recovery element of things, but I I completely agree with right. You. Like I just I just felt like my legs were like garbage half the time. I was like, man, I, I there's nothing in here, <laughs> you know. The gun is empty, and we would always talk about that. I remember at practice and after practice, and then there's nothing more discouraging than going to a meet and feeling bad, like feeling worn down already, you know. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know if you felt that ever, but I felt that quite a bit. And a lot of my teammates did too. And it was just like, man, we, we don't have to always like hit the hammer constantly, you know? And uh, yeah. I think it's something it's really, that I've taken to heart it, now, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really crazy you say that because what you just said like resonated with me a lot because that's exactly how I felt. And you just put it in words and it's such an eloquent way. <laughs> um because I felt that same thing. I think that once I started really understanding and learning kinesiology, there were things that I questioned. Yeah. My, my strength coach was, a, oh my gosh, so smart, such an intelligent man. And he, he taught me so much about um, even, you know, farther than kinesiology, but 
a, 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 more so on strength and conditioning um, and just just a bunch of different avenues that I didn't even know existed. And I think I did struggle with my, my um, coach because mm-hmm. there were times where I didn't think it's almost in a way I felt like her prescription for me was off mm. and I didn't ever want to come off in a way that was disrespectful, Of course, um, that I was questioning her, but there were times where I would, I would talk to my mom and I would be like, mom, something's not right. My body type, I gain muscle very easily. I hold on, hold on to muscle very easily. And so for me, I would lift, lift, lift and lift. And there were, there was a time where I couldn't even carry myself for a full 400 right and 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 I remember going into my coach's office and I remember it took me crying to her my sophomore year to tell her something isn't right something needs to change and although she was actually very good about rest days we had days where we went super hard and then there were days where we took you know an easier route and I really appreciated her on that but the same feeling like there were times where I just felt I'd go into meets not ready not rested enough Mm -hmm. Or there were times where I felt, um, you know, just heavy. I think it was just at the time I was, I look back at pictures and yes, I'm still muscular now, but I was yoked. Mm -hmm. I mean, traps, biceps, back, like my quads, everything. And yes, I think there's a very, very fine line between weightlifting and sprinting. And it's it's a very fine line to actually reach. And if you can do that as a coach, you have talent. Yes. Because every single person is different. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Our coach, I mean, he was a great guy, Coach Walton. He, you know, we, we didn't have the best relationship early on when I started my freshman year, but we ended up having a wonderful relationship, you know, my uh, junior and senior year. And I think I was immature a little bit. I needed to grow up, and I did. And I think he started understanding us. But it was interesting, like my junior and senior year, we came back from the summer, and our training program had changed dramatically. And I think he had learned a lot about the body. He was like a math major, you know, like he had learned a lot about the body and training groups and, and that some of these guys didn't belong in this training group and they need to be in that training group. And so I remember that was mentally for us, it was a huge lift, but there was still this thing of, um, there's a science behind getting athletes ready for competition. And I think running is one thing, very easy to run people into the ground, literally for that. And to kind of have these workouts where some of them were more of just like, they're more, I don't know, maybe this sounds weird. They're more of a legend, you know, like how, how hard can I push these guys? Like, can they actually complete this type of thing? Right. And I feel like there's too much of those mythical legendary type of workouts versus like, Hey, let me understand your specific body and your body type. What works for you? Let's get some testing done before you come in here to understand uh, genetically, I know back then it wasn't really a thing. I get it. But just if I'm looking at it now from my perspective as a professional in the business, I, you know, you got to treat each athlete like a very individual, individual biological entity. There's so much biological diversity in human beings. I completely agree. You with cannot you. put five people in a group and say, everybody do the same thing. You're going to get different outcomes for that. So, but I understand that also it's easier to train people in groups and in it's less work. But my thing was always like, that's your only job is to do that. So if that's your only job, it's like me as a trainer, I don't give all my clients the same exact thing. It's my job to make sure it's personalized towards them and what they're going through personally, professionally, biologically. And that was the one thing I did not like about athletics was there was too much of this pack mentality grouping people together because of their event but it's that doesn't mean a lot to me biologically i thought to myself so um i thought that was that was a struggle for me um interesting to hear that there was some struggle for you and i think but once i i left that part of my life i felt that uh i actually became fitter and you can't be hard to believe because you're very fit when you're running you know and you're doing stuff but i i started to understand my body better and I became more in tune with what actually worked for me and, and what didn't. And, yeah. and I would say at 41 years old, I am in better condition than I was as a track and field athlete at 18 through 22 <clears throat> right now. Yeah. And, and that's amazing because I feel the same way with Orange Theory. I think 
the cool thing about, you know, the, an Orange Theory workout is that you can have people from all different fitness backgrounds that come in and work out. But I think even me, like, there's times where I'm on the treadmill and I am bouncing, Darian. Like, I, I, I feel light. I feel good. I'm, you know, I, I, still, I still have the same techniques. I hear my coach yes, in my head. Yes, yes. You know, <laughs> and, and, you know, pump those arms. Like, I, I still hear her in my head. But it's crazy how my body has shifted its body composition. It's crazy how much longer I can run. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, it's amazing. And, and I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, it, it all depends on the prescription of the person. And I remember one thing that my, my strength coach did do is he tested us in vertical jump. Yeah. So that was one quantitative uh, men, uh, measure that he had. Um, that was good, beneficial. But I agree. There's so much more now that, that you can do. You can, I mean, I think at one point I did do a DEXA, mm-hmm. a DEXA scan, um, but I don't even remember if I got the results back, <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm pretty sure I demanded it. It took months yeah. and I got it done and I was like, okay, um, results or. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a special opportunity with athletes to work with, you know, professors and in the kinesiology department, health and human performance to really get personal one-on-one evaluations of your athletes and say, Hey, listen, you know, physiologically, this is what you, this is what you recruited here. And, and here's, here's how you need to understand this person and prescribe their training program. And for that, you know, they both may be, you know, 200, 400 meter runners, but this, this person right here may have a very different uh, percentage of uh, fiber types, uh, making them more susceptible to be doing the 400 versus the 200 regularly, whatever, you know, like I think that's how deep it should have been. And I get it. It wasn't that deep back then, the science, but there was good science back then too. And we had the, the lab and, you know, the hydrostatic weighing, we had all that back then. Um, but I think it's just um, the awareness is much bigger. And I'm sure in very large, large universities, your University of Michigan, Florida's and Texas, I'm sure it's hugely sports science based with a lot of yeah. these programs. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, but it's just, just interesting. I asked about the transition because I, I often don't run into a lot of former collegiate athletes in my, in my space, uh, when I'm in gyms and stuff like that. Um, because if I did, I would, I would know it a mile away when I saw them, <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. And so I'm, I, I'm interested in your take. And when you see somebody who has, um, never done that, and you're kind of your general exerciser, what your thoughts are as somebody who was in a very structured exercise program. Uh, can you repeat that one more time, kind of what you were asking? Yeah. So when you're in your current version now of, you know, exercise right. and what you're doing, uh, I was saying for me, you know, when I go into a gym and work out and stuff, I don't see somebody like me that had that, you know, athletic experience. Right. Um, because there's a different motor to somebody who was in, uh, especially in track and field, it's a different, different type of person in track and field. Yeah. And that's a pain, you know, running's a painful thing that people do for punishment and stuff. I and mean, that's like what we did. That was our thing, <laughs> you know? Yes. So I, but I see like the general exerciser. I don't, I don't relate to the general exerciser because a lot of the movements and the, the, um, the attacking of exercise is not there to me. Right. Okay. So yep. I'm thinking like, wh- like, I don't notice that. Like I, I feel like I stick out wherever I go because I'm doing things that are drastically, drastically different than anybody else that I see. Even from like, I still do a lot of the active warm up and stuff like that from track and field and a lot of the hip work. Cause I thought it was, I think it's really good stuff. Yeah. And like I you never you. see a general exerciser do that ever, ever. So what, what are your thoughts like when you, when you're working out and you, do you notice that people like, then they don't come from that background and their approach towards exercise? Yeah, I think, um, I see a lot of people that follow. Mm. I see a lot of head swivels. I see a lot of, <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy. I see a lot of people and especially females, um, in particular, almost like following what other girls are doing because they don't know any better. I think um, a lot of people that, that work out may, um, may not be as educated, which isn't bad, but right. I think sometimes, um, you know, can, can be, 
I wouldn't say bad because it's not bad, but, but I think that some people are stuck in one way and don't, don't have the, um, don't have either the resources or, you know, the experience to kind of step out of their comfort zone. So I see them doing the same things every single time I go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something that, that I've definitely seen. Um, I think as far as me, I kind of, I kind of do my own thing. I don't really look too much at, at other people just because I, I get so, I get so yeah. focused on my, on my, on my mission and my goal that there's so many times where I'm in and out and I don't even realize I didn't speak to one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, what I think is different. I think at least I've noticed for myself is um, my ability to withstand pain is greatly enhanced from being an athlete. Um, yep. Like, you know, like, it's funny, like, you know, I've been in the business forever with training and stuff and done many group X classes and workouts. And uh, I feel like people that have done athletics there, there's a, there's a weird level of pain tolerance that you start building up <clears throat> to it. And yeah. uh, I, especially with track and field, because to me, it's so painful, the workouts and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, would, I, agree. I often tell people, I'm like, if you've never had that monkey jump on your back, because most human beings will never get that experience. No. If you've never had that, then you, that's pain. That's painful. Yep. And uh, yep. most people don't go that hard to experience that level of pure, just just pure pain. I just have remember these thoughts of being on the track and workouts and, and people just like trash cans out, people blowing chunks left and right and stuff. And yes. <laughs> passing <I> out. <laughs> I remember a vivid memory was when we were in indoors that we had a stadium. There was um, like stadium seats that were up against the wall and our coach did not let us sit down yeah, after a work- right. workout. And one of my teammates hid behind the, um, the, the stadium seats. And they're like, Nia, Nia, get out from under there. And the coach starts coming around and he's like, where's Nia? And we're like, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Funniest thing. It happens. I completely agree. I think that pain tolerance is something that my mom has actually mentioned that to me before because my sisters are, they're both older than me and they, you know, are, are attempting to work out. They have three-year-old kids, mm-hmm. so it's definitely hard. But one thing that, that I noticed, I, I train my sister here and there a little bit. And when she does a workout, um, she just does, I think it's almost just the, the unknown it's of the what unknown. pain you can actually yeah. endure <clears throat> and realizing that you know, a lot of, of the pain that you're feeling is actually mental and, and you don't realize how far, how far your body can actually go. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, a, a lot of people don't even ex- don't get, get to experience, like you said, and it's, it's a crazy feeling. And yeah, I, I don't wish it upon anyone, <laughs> it's awful. but, but again, it's, it's, it's a very, very different feeling that a lot of people don't, don't grasp and don't, don't get to get there. Yeah, <clears throat> totally agree. I, I think you're right. I think there's there's a lot more that people can handle that they won't allow themselves to handle. And I think <clears throat> for me, that's that's been a big difference. And whenever I you know I still run and, you know, I'm training and strength and conditioning, it's just uh, the ability to withstand like copious amounts of like just pain. <laughs> just yeah. And in some weird way for me, I'm, I almost welcome it. You know, it kind of makes me remember. You know, I often tell people one of the one of my one of the craziest moments, because when I was in school, you know, sometimes my non-athletic friends would, you know, ask me about the workouts and stuff. And I'd say, you know, I think it's it's very it can be traumatizing sometimes, but also weirdly addictive, throwing yourself into this gauntlet on a regular basis where you're questioning whether you actually can do this or not. Yes. You know, there's oh, that I moment, remember, right? Like the, there's a moment. The anxiety attacks. Yes, before you walk out, you know, of the locker room and stuff, you know what's coming. You know it's going to be horrible. You just know it's going to be bad, like really rough. And then once you reach that point, just the like, hey man, you know, you're done with that. Basically, that interval, uh, two hundred or three hundred, whatever. And you know, like you're at the end of your rope. You know, like. Yes. And much left here, man. <clears throat> and you got two or three left to go. And you're just like, how, how am I going to finish this? Like, how, how does my body, <laughs> do this? how do we do this? How do we actually step up to the line and do this? And it was, oh. I think one of the most crazy things I remember is just 
looking at my teammates and everybody has that look on their face of like, right. Of like, (laughs) you don't speak, you don't say anything. You just look at each other and it's the look of like impending death. Everybody is just kind of like, has this ghostly look to them. Like, are you going to make it? Am I going to make it? Are we going to actually hit the time he's asking us to hit? Because I don't know about you, but I got, you know, you're not saying this. You're just mentally looking at each other. Like, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Yep. I 110%. You know it. (laughs) I remember that toe stepping on the line and her saying three, two, one. And that is over. It's just, I think that's, I'll never forget those moments. And in some ways, you know, I still have those moments when I train, when I get to that point. And I just remember being on that line, you know, and toe on the line and somebody's next to me and then somebody's next to me on the up on the stagger on the Mm -hmm. curve and you're just you know you're all waiting there you're listening to the sound of the voice of somebody counting down and it's just it's nerve-wracking and it's It's practice it's practice it's not even the meat (laughs) and you spend so much more time practicing than you do running in a meat Oh, and the thing is, I, I mean, yes, I would get nervous in meets, but not nearly as nervous as them as in practice. Same way. I feel, I oh, yeah. Fun. It was fun. It was like, oh, I get to warm up and that. actually race and compete. And practice was just like, it was just brutal. I think it took me some time. You know, I had a very good training program in college. And, uh, but, you know, went to the next level in college. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm going to have to endure this for a long time. And getting my mind wrapped around that I'm going to be in regular pain for, for a very, very long time. Yes. And that was that was daunting for me. And to like get my courage up on a regular basis and kind of that long walk from class to Godwin Hall and then getting changed. And everybody had like the death march coming out of the locker room like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what you ate that day <clears throat> yes. also affected you. Yes. Yes, it was just it was just a whole thing. And so it's it's nice to talk to somebody who has gone through that, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a it's a very singular, lonely experience and not when you're doing it, but after you get done with it throughout the years and you get further and further away from that life. You're like, man, I don't see anybody like me anymore. I don't feel that I don't have that happening to me like with other people and they know that look we all know that look from each other you know? yes <laughs> i can see it through the phone right now you can see it right and oh my gosh one of the funniest things was like after practice a lot of a lot of us would just be like laying on the ground in godwin hall and people stepping over our dead bodies it feels like and just just the just the, no ammunition left you know and then we had to go lift yeah. it was like now we're lifting afterwards it's like okay uh I know. It's crazy. Oh what are we doing here? <laughs> <I'm> like, <sighs> yeah, and then we'd have to go lift, you know, 100 plus, 200 yeah. plus pounds. Yeah. Squatting. Right. And it's just, uh, it's just an interesting experience reliving that. And I, that was kind of my hope with, you know, this podcast with you is not only like, you know, your experience, but I think it's good to have a shared experience and the people listen to this, maybe they have never been athletes and maybe they are listening to this going, man, I was with you. I was there in spirit at some other school doing this, you know, but it's good to know um, of shared experiences are really powerful with people. Yeah. I completely agree with you. So last thing I wanted to kind of touch on was just kind of a little bit about finding your way after school and being an athlete and what that has been like for you. Yeah. So I think it's been overwhelming. I will say, um, going from Lynn to then, um, I was just kind of serving for a little bit just to make some money. And then finally started working for Orange Theory. Um, and Orange Theory was a company that, you know, it's a dream of mine to work for them. And so I started working for that company. Um, and then, um, you know, I think I, in my time with Orange Theory over the past year, I found myself overwhelmed because because Orange Theory is such a great, a great company to work for. There's so many different outlets that I could see myself in. And so I say overwhelming because, you know, I think that I see myself in so many different lights, which is a great thing. And it's and I'm so thankful that, that I'm able to, to kind of adapt and change and in those different lights. But I think 
first, for sure down here, it's been a, a really good experience being able to have the opportunities that I've had. Coming from a very small town and moving to a city like Fort Lauderdale has given me, um, it's, it's broadened my horizons to see what's out there and to see um, kind of where my path could take me in a way. So I think Orange Theory really opened up that, that um, spec for me. And this job that I have now is, is something that I definitely think is um, a stepping stone. I don't think it's the last thing I'll ever do. But I think it's something that, you know, every single day is a learning experience and, I, and, and I'm learning and I'm growing. Um, and so I think that that's super important. That is, I think as long as I'm learning and growing and I find happiness out of what I'm doing, that's finding my way. Right. <clears throat> that's wonderful. I think <clears throat> life is tough, you know, especially after you're coming out of kind of this cocoon of a certain level of structure and planning. And then you're kind of cast out into the world and say, hey, start living, start growing yourself, start moving into the person, you know, adulthood a little even more uh, with that. And that can be very trying. And, uh, you know, um, I applaud you for, you know, having a great attitude about it. I feel like you got a good base for yourself. You know who you are, you know, great work ethic. I think you'll be very successful. Abigail. Thank you. Yes, of course. So much. And I, I'm hopeful that, you know, this show and and behind the scenes of this, that I could I could be helpful in any way that I can to help uh, a fellow former athlete and just to help a person, you know, who is doing good things. So. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that, and you know, it's it was great talking to you from you know our first conversation to now, and I think that, you know a real person has highs and lows. And I think it's important to, even though through struggles sometimes, you know, like there's still days I'm 24. <laughs> there's days where, you know, aren't, aren't the best days. And I'm like, okay, what is my purpose? You know, what am I meant mm-hmm. to do? And then I always come back to find value in what you do, be happy doing those things. And if you have those two things and you work hard and, and, and your character comes out, you're set. And so, you know, I'm really trying to implement that in my everyday life because I think that's super important. But, you know, on the same side of of being real and being a human being that there are struggles and there's times where I question, like, is this my path? And then I realize, you know what, be fearless and know that things are going to be okay and and they're going to work out. I think we talked about this a little bit in our last conversation is that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's up up to you to... uh, 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 to change your path, to move your path. If you don't like something, change it. If you like something, keep it make better. You know, so that's what I'm. I'm. I'm learning right. I'm learning that right now as, as um, as something to kind of give out and and share with the world and share with people who are listening. Is that you know, always be happy in what you do and find value in that. And if you do those two things, in my opinion, I feel like you're set. I don't want to add anything more to that because that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well said. I agree. And I think that's a great way to end things off. Thank you so much, Abigail, for being on. And I'm excited for everybody to listen to this. Thanks, Darian. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good one. All right. All take right, care. Bye.